Welcome to SBME Interfaces. Our goal with this show is to introduce you to the people that interface with biomedical engineering from students and faculty to staff and industry and everyone in between. BME is a broad field that encompasses so many different perspectives, journeys, skill sets, and backgrounds, and we are excited to share them all with you. Today we're interfacing with Miriam Tayeb and Emily Blevin. Emily hails from the island of Almeida, California, and studied mechanical engineering in her undergrad and then biomedical engineering master's at the University of Portland, Oregon. She worked in industry for a couple of years before moving to UBC to pursue her PhD. Her research under the supervision of Peter Crypton focused on strengthening the femur with an orthopedic implant to prevent fractures. She's currently the social sports coordinator for the Biomedical Engineering Graduate Association, BMEGA. Miriam is pursuing her master's with Roger Tam, her research on developing machine learning methods to predict clinical outcomes in populations with neurological disorders like MS. She holds a bachelor's in medical imaging from University of Bradford and a bachelor's in electrical engineering from University of Punjab. She is the president, and I believe outgoing president of BMEGA and co-chair of BMEGA Ready subcommittee, as well as she sits on the school's Ready Committee as well. In her free time, she loves to hike and explore Vancouver. Welcome both. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, so I wanted to start off with, uh, you know, with these these last uh, rather insane 15 months and uh, what kind of impact this pandemic has had on you, whether it's, you know, your, your, your research or even your personal lives. And we'll start with you, Miriam. Um, I think that uh, my relationship with pandemic has been bittersweet because A, it has affected all of us, including me, in terms of um, finding our new normals, um, finding motivation to make to keep making progress on research. Um, but sweet in that um, I had the chance to meet a lot of people. It, I know that not many people will be able to say that they met new people during pandemic, but I did. And then I moved a lot of places during pandemic and working from home allowed me to do that. So I changed two apartments. I visited Pakistan. I visited Portland. Um, I found that really interesting that Emily is from Portland. Um, so I think being able to work from home allowed me to do that, but also um, it blurred the boundaries between work, study, um, leisure time, and finding time for personal connection. So yeah, that's pretty much sums it up. Mm -hmm. What about you, Emily? Um, I didn't know you went to Portland, um, Miriam. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say the big, like a big thing, it was just a big forced adaptation. And like in my research and my life, just becoming very comfortable with uncertainty was a big thing. And I think especially as engineers, like we like things to be defined and certain. And when you know, we don't know when we can see our families or travel or do any of those things. You, we have no choice but to get used to that. Um, and then, and that kind of tailored into my PhD. So like getting better at, you know, if things were uncertain, I had to set my own um, milestones that were certain and kind of like take on that management uh, on my own without like being in the lab chatting with people and seeing my supervisor face to face. Um, but yeah, like talking to others that are going through the same thing helped a lot, so. Sure, and um, so can you both tell us a little bit about BMEGA? I mean, it's evolved since the school started to be a part of the BME program before and some of the initiatives you've either worked on this or planning for the upcoming year. 
either of you, any of you could go. Well, I think here, I'll start because I think I know less <laughs> and then you can add on. <laughs> um, I, well, I just started, I started last year and I, uh, so I've only been in, on Bmega during the pandemic. So I only know it as virtual and um, yeah, it's just about providing a resources and a community for biomedical engineering grad students. Um, we had, we had to be quite creative this year, but we had a few different STEM outreach opportunities uh, as well as little trivias and kind of welcome barbecues that were held online. Um, and so I think we just want it to be a place where BMIX grad students feel like they can come to for support, whether it's like academically or um, socially. And, and maybe Miriam can talk a little bit more about what it's like when it's not virtual and what's planned for next year. Yeah, so I've been involved with BMIGA twice. Um, before I was um, with BMEGA in the capacity of a secretary, and that was uh, before pandemic, so the experience was a lot different. Um, I was part of all these um, great events where we wanted the graduate students to be involved. We had um, a pretty successful industry night. We had two barbecues. Um, there was a very successfully run uh, mentorship program as well. Um, having seen it from both sides of pandemic, uh, the experience post pandemic was quite different. Everything was virtual. Um, it was a bit challenging to provide um, the opportunities where um, the students will feel motivated to get involved because of the Zoom fatigue. Um, I had the chance to talk to a lot of students um, who were continuing students with SBME and they had trouble finding finding the motivation to sign up online um, once more. Um, but even during that craziness, um, we were lucky enough to find moments where we had uh, the three events that uh, Emily mentioned. Um, and we continue to strive to provide these opportunities where the BMEGA students might find um, time to just, um, you know, just sign up and chat with other BME students who are struggling and struggling through um, pandemic. Um, so that was great. Um, in the upcoming year, um, we have had elections. Today was a last day of voting. So um, pretty soon we'll be bringing the new BMAGA team on board and handing it over to them. The great news is that um, we have moved on to in-person teaching come fall. So hopefully that will change a lot. Um, but having seen it from both sides, I would say the one thing that I really missed was um, getting together in a room with a bunch of people and then really just laughing and talking it out. Um, yeah. That's good. Um, so um, out of curiosity, I mean, a lot of options available to you both. What drew you to biomedical engineering for graduate school? And in particular, what excites you about the field? And uh, we'll start with you, Emily. Um, what drew me to it? I didn't know, like back when I first started studying engineering, they didn't have any biomedical engineering at my school yet. It was kind of like I could get a minor in biology or I could take some courses. Um, I tore my ACL playing soccer when I was a teenager. And the fact that, that they could repair my knee by putting a metal screw into it was really like the simplicity of that was really fascinating to me. Um, and I, I just get really um, encouraged, I think, by the, by the ability to apply mechanical principles to like the super complex physiological system of the, of the body. And I had a lot of great mentors that encouraged, that introduced me to different fields of research when I was in undergrad. 
um, and kind of allowed me to explore more in those areas. Um, you asked what drew me to it and what excites me about it. I guess the thing that I like most about um, my work in biomedical engineering is the diversity of it in in like the day to day activities, like some in and that extends to collaboration too. So whether it's like working with my hands or doing stuff with computer models or meeting with surgeons or meeting with uh, machinists or meeting with all sorts of people, um, that's probably the most exciting part with me and the part that involves real people too. Mm -hmm. What about you, Maureen? Um, so I also didn't know about the specialized discipline of biomedical engineering back in the day. Um, I was just doing electrical engineering and I developed interest in diagnostic imaging. Um, and that was also based on um, a personal experience. Someone in my family was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and as we went through the various stages of um, prognostic workup, I realized how important imaging was and uh, I just started delving deeper into it. Um, and that led me to my current research. Um, well, not directly, but yeah, um, um, just the focus of um, improving the um, methods for diagnosis. So, and that's what excites me, just the possibility of creating real impact and how we can touch um, the lives and the impact that you, and the long-term impact that you stand to create that continues to impress me and motivate me and excite me and, you know, keeps me on my path. Something yeah, we I talked about a little bit. Uh, sorry, sorry, you go ahead. No, I was just like, I um, appreciate that a lot, Miriam, because I what I always told myself was like, okay, I know I can do the math part. And then the part that keeps me passionate is the like the benevolence and like the people oriented part. So mm -hmm. what I what I love about the field is uh, almost every biomedical engineer I've spoken to, they talk about how they're so surprised that their impact is immediate. Like the, it, this isn't something that you have to like really wait into the future. Like, no, you can actually make a difference in a patient's life right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Um, both well said. So what's been the biggest surprise for you being at UBC and being in the School of Biomedical Engineering? Miriam, let's start. Um, I think the biggest surprise for me was just a transition from undergrad to graduate studies and then realizing that there's so many facets to um, um, your student life and then there's life inside of academia and then outside of it. Um, and then because I'm not from Vancouver, so there was that component of adapting um, in a new environment um, and just coming up to speed with the social norms. Um, nothing really um, eye-opening or earth-shattering, but yeah, just coming to terms with the new way of adulting was really the surprise. <laughs> that took a lot of time. Emily, what about you? A student adulting is different than like adulting adulting. I feel like, um, I mean, the, the beauty, like the natural beauty of UBC and the area was not a surprise, but it's really nice. Um, but I, I think like, because I was working for a little bit before going back to school, going back into academia, and I, honestly, this is like my first experience in proper academia, um, being immersed in that was just the day-to-day -day of that was something I wasn't used to. And like the autonomy that we have as grad students in, especially during the pandemic when that's heightened, um, but it's like I, it's something I had to get comfortable with was just being in charge of what I'm working on for days on end. You know what I mean? And I can seek guidance <laughs> when I ask for it, but um, 
yeah. And then I think just like the very specific culture that exists in academia and forgetting that like when I talk to my parents or other people that aren't in it, I have to like explain to them like why something like candidacy, what it is and why it's important and um, getting out of that bubble every so often is, is good. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to add one more thing. Um, yeah. The autonomy that we have um, on our time and then how quickly can go sideways. That's really surprising. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, <laughs> if, you, if you draw a graph of autonomy in grad school, it's related to your supervisor's uh, characteristic. <laughs> uh, maybe I can dig a little deep in this question because we always like to ask this. Uh, I guess for both of you, what what's special to you about the school of BME? Because we're we're a new entity and, and the school itself. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, Emily, what, what do you what do you like about it? And what yeah. You? Um... What do I like about it? I like I like that I'm constantly learning. Like it's the I guess the number one thing that SBME has been for me is engaging. Like there's constant mm -hmm. engagement with people from different labs and different fields, and I'm constantly trying to wrap my head around new things that my friends are doing or people from fellow labs are doing. Um, and it seems like SBME really tries tries to weave those together and and like present them in the seminar series and um in other ways which is really nice so like that cohesiveness is nice um and then also i guess just the like the flexibility of a newer program where they seek feedback from students and like want to modulate and change because of that is is nice to see as well so. you may um so I completely agree with Emily, and that was going to be my answer if I were to answer first. Um, I love the engagement that the SBME faculty um, and program members um, always strive to have with the students. Um, I love that. Um, I love and I feel that my opinion matters, and every so often the program seeks it, and I feel like I'm being heard, and my opinion will create a difference. Um, that is something that really stands out for me. Um, other than that, I love the diversity that the program has to offer and all the different research clusters and all these exciting things that everyone else is doing. I'm also like, I feel like I'm always learning, always asking and always learning new things. Um, and it's really nice that there's a seminar city that helps us orient ourselves um, um, in position to what everyone else is doing. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, also I think, um... I forgot, I was thinking of like purely academics, but what's what's been really refreshing is more, um, especially with like the ready committee, which I'm not involved in, but like having more uh, socially oriented talks on like anti-racism and activism that I think it's easy to think of as separate from STEM or separate from biomedical engineering, but it's actually like very intertwined and it's cool. It's really nice to see a progressive program that, that tries to incorporate those values. That's wonderful to hear. That's, uh, that means we're doing our job pretty well right now. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so Emily, just at a high level, can you talk a little bit about um, uh, your research and more importantly, um, how you see its potential for the future? Yeah, yeah. I'd, uh, it's nice to talk about it at a high level because usually I try and like um, simplify it a little bit. Um, so uh, my research involves preventing hip fracture, which is a, a very, a relatively common and um, very dangerous injury. And the most common way it happens is when uh, an elderly person will fall directly to the side. 
And a previous researcher in our lab developed a machine that simulates a sideways fall with a cadaveric specimen. And um, it's, able to sh it's able to induce hip fracture in a way that's very realistic with how it happens in real life. Mm. Um, and so what I'm gonna do is I'm going to use this machine and a corresponding computer model to um, a finite element model to assess the potential that an orthopedic implant has to strengthen the femur and prevent fracture. So the main chunk of my research is designing an orthopedic implant or method that goes in the intramedullary space at the proximal femur and um, alters the mechanical structure and strengthens it enough to kind of make up for that missing osteoporotic bone um, to prevent or lessen the severity of fracture. Mm -hmm. And we get to use this dual experiment, experimental and computational method that was previously developed to evaluate it. And then another minor chunk of my research is adding high-speed x-ray to this fall simulator. So like adding an additional analysis method that will allow us, like in order to prevent fracture, we have to understand the biomechanics mm -hmm. of it. And nobody has imaged Nobody has imaged um, hip fracture as it occurs with an x-ray system when it's occurring in a realistic way. And because this setup that we have is so realistic, um, I think that being able to capture the fracture as it's happening with high-speed x-ray um, will shed a lot of light in certain phenomena that, that correlate to an implant's potential to prevent it from happening. Um. Um. We had Peter Crypton present to the staff. We do this high-level lay research and show some of the x-rays they've done with the other model they have for the neck. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Really, really exciting stuff you guys are all working on. Yeah, um, cool. Thanks. Uh, so, Mariam, what drew you to the area of, you know, computation, machine learning, and applications in health? You mentioned imaging and health. You mentioned a little bit personal history, but working with Roger and the stuff you do, you know, talk to that at a high level for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as I mentioned that I was um, interested in diagnostic imaging and specifically um, interested in improving the capacity of diagnostic imaging for early detection of various diseases. Um, that is exactly what I'm doing in Roger Tam's lab with a different angle. So I'm approaching it from a different angle in that um, I'm not changing the way um, an organ system is imaged but I'm changing the way um, you can use the information from that diagnostic machine um, to actually diagnose something that's going to happen in a future time. Um, more specifically, um, in my lab, uh, we have a focus on multiple sclerosis, which is a neurodegenerative disease um, that, is, um, that does not have um, a cure. Um, and also it's idiopathic in that um, there's no reason why someone um, will develop multiple sclerosis. Um, and because um, there's a lot to be yet to be discovered about multiple sclerosis, one cannot predict how the disease will evolve over time. So what my research does is it develops a machine learning algorithm that is able to look at the brain MRIs from individuals who have had first episode of um, multiple sclerosis. Um, and by first episode, mean, I mean the has displayed the very initial symptoms that are indicated that a person will go on to develop um, a full-blown multiple sclerosis. So from that very early stage where they have um, 
shown symptoms, uh, we use MRI to monitor and screen their brains. And my algorithm um, takes that raw data and learns from all these signs that may be um, um, not visible to the naked eye and predict that how likely is it for this individual to um, develop a future attack, um, for, for example, within the next two years. Mm-hmm. Um, we inc- incorporate data from, um, from MRI as well as other factors like that, that are clinical and demographic factors that may be risk factors. Um, and then how that helps is that once we're able to predict that an individual is at a higher risk of develop, developing future attacks, the physician can then um, more proactively monitor that individual or start a proactive treatment that may help reduce the chances of them developing a future attack and preserve their quality of life for longer. The long-term impact will be um, such approaches are being developed for various neurological diseases. So they can be a very helpful tool set um, for the clinicians to really you know, filter out those individuals um, that will benefit from a proactive treatment and then just doing their best to uh, preserve their quality of life better because many of, the, many of these diseases don't really have um, a cure and early diagnosis and proactive treatment is the way to preserve the quality of life. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll go, uh, we'll, we'll zoom out a little bit. Um, uh, the both of you, what advice would you have to new grad students coming into the BME program at, uh, at UBC? And we can start with you, Emily. Um, new grad students in SBME. Well, join B Mega, of course. That's my first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, shameless promotion of B Mega. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say don't be afraid to ask for help, whether it's from if you don't like. Obviously, if you don't know something, try a little bit first. But if but don't be afraid to ask for help from your supervisor, from your colleagues. Um, like people are more willing to help you than you think. And it's, I think it can be quite intimidating and make it make you feel like you don't know anything, but um, yeah. And then also in terms of like mental health resources, don't, if that's something that's occurring, don't be afraid to ask for help for that either. Um, yeah. And then also to set good boundaries. So uh, mm-hmm. I find that I can work better when I work less sometimes. And um, I think that's something that's a good practice to have as well. Advice. How about you, Mary? I would say that um, congratulations for joining such an amazing program. Um, <laughs> I, would, um, I would advise um, for the new grad students to just come with an open mind. There are a lot of surprises and a lot of things that you will learn both academically and outside of academia. I would say enjoy all of those um, learning curves. Um, some are going to be very steep, but others you're going to enjoy more. Um, So enjoy that and then try to not get caught up in just making progress academically inside of a classroom Mm -hmm. or in your lab. There is so much more that will constitute your student experience. Um, Biomedical uh, School of Biomedical Engineering has a lot of um, opportunities to get involved. Make use of them. Join BMEGA and um, just enjoy the ride. and then I will definitely reinforce on um, Emily's um, advice that ask for help. You'll be surprised how helpful and how willing people are to offer it. So when in doubt, just talk to someone. Um, your PIs are there to make sure that um, you have a successful program 
Um, and then the lab members are pretty helpful too. So yeah, you'll find a lot of people that you can go to to seek some help. Make sure you use that. Great advice both. Uh, so almost at times so we'll ask some more lighthearted questions. Sorry, Miriam. As a grad student, naturally you're, you're both very busy. What do you do to recharge? Um, I binge watch uh, seasons <laughs> on Netflix <laughs> because some days I've, um, and I'm guilty of that because I spend a lot of time in front of a screen for my uh, programming mm. and stuff. So I feel like I'm not doing my body good when I am yet again <laughs> looking at another screen. But yeah, aside from that, I try to squeeze in workouts. I think that really healthy, both mentally and physically. And then I go out. I think nature walks are really a good way to clear your head and then gain a little perspective because one can develop a, um, I don't know what's the word for it, but a very narrow tunnel vision where mm. you kind of focus on the wrong things obsessively. So just taking a step back helps. And you, Emily? Yeah, um, some of those things as well, definitely. And um, talking to friends helps as well. Like, uh, you know, not being from Vancouver, there's a lot of people that I connect with on the phone. And so that's talking to them as a good way to kind of zoom out from what I'm currently doing. And then um, having a mindfulness practice has been really uh, valuable as well. In I don't know what word you, if you use decompress, um, but- Recharge. Recharge, yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's very helpful. Nature walks as well, so. Yeah, uh, exercise and uh, and meditation was a big one for me, these, especially these last 15 months. Um, all right, so uh, uh, last question then for the both of you. Um, are there any particular initiatives, projects, or endeavors that you're overseeing right now that can be in, in your research or in your personal life that you're really, really excited about and you think we all should get excited about too? And we'll start with you, Emily. Well, um... I'm running a marathon with two of my friends. So that's really exciting. We're nice. like designing our own and running it on our own. So you should be excited about that mm -hmm. so that I can be more excited about it, but we're almost done. <laughs> it's, this, it's next weekend. So, um, and then also what um, something that our lab has been doing for almost a year now has been having monthly uh, shutdown STEM or yeah, shutdown STEM talks. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just a space in our lab to discuss inclusion and diversity and anti-racism and um, kind of try and make that an opt-in theme. And it's it was a little rocky at first, just because we kind of, we, we had the intention to do it and we didn't really know what we were doing, but we've had more structure and um, good participation. And uh, I'm really excited about that because I think it's not, like being lab initiated, I think is less common, so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And how about you, Miriam? So um, we just started the um, student chapter of um, Respect, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion subcommittee. Uh, I'm really excited about that because that just allows us to connect with the students and get the feedback that will shape the way um, that we approach these issues um, on the school level. Um, so I'm one of the co-chairs uh, and I'm really excited about starting this. We're just getting started and I would encourage more students to get involved and come forward if they have any opinions, feedbacks, um, concerns that they would like for someone to discuss with. Um, and yeah, um, I want others to be excited about it as well because I feel that that's a very, um, that's a step in the right direction. So yeah. Mm. 
Oh, great. Uh, you're both keeping busy, both in the lab and outside. That's wonderful to see. Um, so thank you both. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Wish you all the best in your graduate degree work and beyond. And uh, and thanks for uh, tooting our horn that SPM is a good place to be. That's so good to be here. So all the thank best. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. Yeah, thanks for having us.